Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. I'm Molly. And this is a podcast that features us and only us usually. We're a happily married couple of four kids and we homeschool and we do weird things and we're just, we're not normal at all. We're weird people, hard we're people very sometimes. weird and hard. You know, I had an interesting conversation last night about weird and hard. Um, one of the gentlemen I was talking to didn't quite fully understand why I would call myself weird and hard. Like you didn't understand our motto. Huh. Well. I was like, well, that's fair. That's fair. So it gave me an opportunity to like talk Expound to him about. On it. Yeah, why, you know, the first people we say that and then the first people we look at obviously are ourselves, but it kind of just makes things easier to swallow, knowing that we probably more than likely have a handful of people that look at us and go, What in the world are they thinking? And why would anybody why like would them? Anybody do that? Yeah, exactly. Why would anybody? Because like, so. <laughs> we really feel that way about some to people. Hang out with. <laughs> we have trouble talking to them. We don't like their opinions. So you yeah. people who listen to us a lot, we appreciate you. You're our people. I have a dog knocking my notes off right now, looking for love. Looking for love. So speaking of pets. This might be too much information for our people, but here you go. Our This is how we keep our audience like true. on their toes. <laughs> this is how we keep our audience small. <laughs> mm-hmm. So our our cats have tapeworms, which you know I've have we discussed this before? We've discussed um yeah, we've we've had a posted tapeworm. the Amazon link to the dewormer medicine that yes. I buy. So Amazon is out of the dewormer medicine currently. There's three I think outlets that sell it and they were all several weeks out from shipping them and you get these little white that looks like rice stuck to the fur next to your cat's butt and that's the telltale my cat has tapeworms I need to treat her for it and I so there's a natural alternative to dewormer medicine and it's called diatomaceous earth and it's ground up fossils essentially that have super sharp shards microscopic microscopic shards and parasites that live in your digestive system when they consume this it slices them up on the inside and you expel the parasites that live in your digestive system in theory so i have been giving our cats diatomaceous earth for about a week now mixed with water water and tuna and the cats are now used to their daily tuna except i i think they're in the process of killing the worms at least in the one cat because the they weren't super hungry and usually when when parasites die they give off gases that give you a stomach ache and make you feel nauseated sometimes and our cats did not dive into the tuna today at all. They hmm. just sat and looked at it when I tried to give it to them individually. So it was let's funny because... B- let's back up for a second, though, because last night um, you went to watch American Gospel with a couple of girlfriends over at somebody else's house. I had let the cats in. At one point, I let well, at least Luna in. And she, she kind of wandered in really slowly kind of lethargically and just plopped onto the and then and then we kind of sat there for a minute and then late and then she did like this weird movement where she tried to lay down but didn't lift her butt up it was kind of like her butt was dead like the whole rear end of her was just dead and she just laid there just laid down and then um after you got home we were getting ready for bed and um luna's laying on the bed and just not even kind of moving and you started scratching her belly, not moving, and you ran into uh, some sort of rodent entrails stuck to her fur. That's so true. So she was in a I did. super sort gross. Sort of a bit of a food coma. She was in a food coma all day. So that could explain why the tuna... Was not appealing yeah. to her. Well, what was interesting so and funny that the kids noted, I lined the kids, the cats up next to each other, and I put the tuna in front of them while they're together, and they tolerate each other but they're not friends and they both looked at the the other's bull and went for the other's bull so they consumed (laughs) their tuna in its entirety 
when there was competition and the kids were like, huh, they didn't want to eat it when it was just them. And now they're like stealing each other's and they're eating it happily because they're stealing each other's. And I was like, huh, sounds like other creatures in this house that we know of, doesn't it? And they were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, mom. Yeah, we get that. Yep, for sure. Which actually leads me into something that I had been thinking about on Saturday to talk about because I made homemade sourdough bagels for breakfast on Saturday. He had done this. Sourdough bagels were a thing on a couple for a couple of people I follow back when sourdough bread in general was a thing about a year ago. And everyone's stuck at home, so they're getting sourdough starters and doing their sourdough. And it just popped in. Oh, it was Titus. Titus goes, I could really, maybe Friday night, I really go for a bagel right now, which is bizarre. Because the last time we had bagels, I had thought I had a brilliant idea on our Oregon camping trip for the mornings when we're on the go and I didn't want to cook a full camping breakfast. I bought flavored cream cheese and I bought some bagels. And I think I ate maybe two bagels, my own, and then portions of other kids's. Faith sat hers in the cup holder in the car. And then eventually it slid down under the seat and got completely dried out there. And I found it several days later under the seat. Really, nobody ate their bagel. Maybe Titus ate half of one. My car and smells like something yogurty, bagely, and I haven't been able to find it. Your car or my car? Mine. Yeah, just has that. Well, you have you have four kids, so get used to it. So anyway, so it was weird after that total flop of a breakfast while we were camping for Titus to say, I really go for a bagel right now. And I'd already gotten the sourdough out because I was going to do pancakes or waffles or something sourdough for breakfast on Saturday morning. So I thought I could, I could look up a bagel recipe and whip up some bagels. So I did. And it really wasn't that hard. It was, I'm pretty sure I used a different recipe than I used last year. It was easy. It was it was kind of time consuming because you boil the bagels and then you bake them and uh all of the kids absolutely loved them i did some everything bagel topping i did plain poppy seed which they thought was weird and didn't want to try and then cinnamon sugar and they each ate almost two bagels each i made a dozen so it would have been enough for two each and there were two left over and i only had one so that means somebody I had like a half a one Oh, that, so that means that several of our kids had more than two. Well, Faith has gotten in a habit of, she did this with the bagels. And she's she, our three-year-old, you guys. And she, she's our last, she's three. She does this when we, when I make macaroni and cheese for lunch. Our kids love boxed mac and cheese so much that I usually make two boxes and I added an entire bag of frozen peas to it for protein and veggie they eat they scrape the bowl clean if I do two boxes if I do three boxes there's usually a little bit left over but no matter how much I do Faith does this with the bagels and with this the other she's she's nibbled a couple bites of her bagel and the other kids are moving on to the next one and she's screaming her head off don't eat them all. Don't eat them all. I want another one. Don't eat all the mac and cheese. And she'll be sitting with a bowl full of mac and cheese in front of her, freaking out about scarcity. Same thing with the bagels. I knew for a fact, they were full-size bagels. I knew for a fact our three-year-old was not going to finish her first bagel. She was nibbling the cream cheese off of the top and getting a little bit of the bread she wasn't going to finish her first bagel. And she's to the point where I had to put her in a timeout because she was out of control, freaking out about, don't eat all the bagels, leave some bagels for me. And I I started thinking, because it was such a to-do, I started thinking about, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And then Jesus goes on later in Matthew to talk about how God provides for the flowers of the field that even Solomon in all his splendor was not arrayed like one of these and the birds 
of the air. They don't store up. They don't worry about. They just, God gives them what they need for that day. And how much more valuable are we than a sparrow? And yet, knowing in our heads that God will give us our daily bread, in our hearts and with our mouths, we are the three-year-old with a full bagel sitting in front of us with not one nibble out of it, <laughs> freaking out that others are getting more than we are and that we're not going to get enough. And what if we have to go hungry because there's not going to be enough bagels left over? And in the meanwhile, I, the parent, know exactly how much my child... Well, I don't know exactly. I'm not... I don't have God's perfect knowledge. I know that she is not going to consume more than I have given her. Yeah. What I have given her will be enough. God sometimes gives us exactly enough and no more. Sometimes he graciously gives us excess so that we are comfortable in our excess, especially here in America. And and yet we're the three-year-old sitting in front of a full bagel, freaking out because <laughs> the bagels on the tray are disappearing because oh. other, pe- other people are having God provide for them what they need in just the way they need it. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are weird and hard, too, you guys. They are. And we are training our kids with that saying. And they, I think our older ones are starting to get it. (laughs) They are. Especially when we point to ourselves. You know, going back, though... um, Briefly, I wanted to, I think this is just fun and interesting. Um, I get kind of excited around late summer, early fall here in Montana because um, it becomes praying mantis season. Mm -hmm. And we, for the last several years now, we've generally found a praying mantis and just kept it for months. Uh, We'll feed it crickets and grasshoppers. And we have two um, right now that... Uh, I've been collected just this morning and the kids have been feeding them grasshoppers. And as we were talking about animals, uh, the grossness of animals, the kids were remarking on, you know, they're learning all the new things about science. You know, why is the black tar coming out of the grasshopper's mouth as well, the praying mantis as the praying mantis is eating, yeah, eating the back of its head, you know, while it's alive kicking. And I was like, it's so, so violent. <laughs> and what do you say? You called it like a well, a subtle violence. Or a yeah, soft I mean the violence. grasshopper <laughs> or the the praying mantis that the that particular one. The kids caught the grasshopper, put it in the jar that we had for it, and within I, I want to say within a minute, well under five minutes. I wasn't really paying attention. I turn around and he has caught the grasshopper and he's eating it. And we've seen this happen enough now. They have a particular methodology to eating, Mm -hmm. and they either get full and just throw what's left on the bottom, or they don't eat the the big jumping legs. Yeah. And he ate out, if you want gory details, he ate out the back of the grasshopper's brain first, his head. It's not a... Is it a skull if he has an exoskeleton still? Uh, Just the exoskeleton of his head? Speaking of... Of learning things, science. the the scientific names for various created species escapes me. Okay. I well, remember. I mean, I know I know the basics that a an insect like has thorax the head, and head abdomen, thorax, and abdomen, abdomen, and the six legs come off of the thorax. Yeah. And they, but I, what is the crunchy bit on the outside of its head? You know what I called delicious um if you're you're a mantis mantis. i i appreciate you know i used to hate not hate there's a lot of things in school i hated learning about and what's interesting though is the like there's a lot of things i don't remember anymore like insects and biology man i had to refresh all my all my biology when i you know got my oec certification for ski patrol and so that was like you know, going back to, I'm like, I remember learning all that in like grade school or middle school or high school or something, but you forget it all. And I appreciate though it on some level that the education system that we, the modern education system we have now, at least at the very minimum exposes kids to a variety of things that they may or may not ever pursue again in their lives. 
but it gives them at least an opportunity to check it out and be interested in something for further study. Like mm-hmm. you probably have a scientist listening to the show going, you, guys you could idiots. go right. Yeah. You could probably tell without even thinking twice, you could tell us everything we need to know about every kind of insect or, you know, whatever. What's, what's what I, one of the things I like about homeschooling, I was, I went to the pool with my kids yesterday and literally spent the entire time talking to other moms. It was the most social. I got home and I thought, I've used up all of my words for the week. I talked, I actually felt kind of breathless when we get in the car, got in the car to come home because I saw so many people I hadn't seen all summer. And Billings, you guys, if you don't know, is a community of about 100,000 people. 120 now. The Yellowstone County is, ah, yeah. but yes, okay. So we technically don't live in Billings. Probably a little bit more now County. with all the people moving out from California. And right. Uh, we are still the latest census confirmed. We're still the largest county in Montana, which the projection had been for Missoula Bozeman. County, Missoula, to to beat us by this census. But we're still bigger than Missoula. Maybe Gallatin County in Bozeman. No, no, no. Gallatin County actually doesn't have a giant population. Oh, hilarious. It's just a rich population. Yes. But With so all the best flights. One of the homeschool moms that I was talking to has decided to unschool her kids this year. And she was super excited about it because she just laid it out there asking her kids who were... Her oldest is a little bit older than ours, our oldest, down to... I'm not sure how old her number three is. Her four and five don't aren't in school yet. But her, her three older kids are going to unschool and basically they get to choose something that they want to study and they will spend several hours a day until they have until they've exhausted the depth of what they at that age level believe they can learn about it and put into practice things they're learning so her oldest wants to study the solar system and make a to scale model both in terms of the size of the planets and the sun and things as well as the distance that they are apart from each other and be able to talk through in a report style every single item in the model that she's created and her second born i can't remember what her second born once who is Lily's age, approximately. I can't remember what he wanted to study. Lily's oh, six. Mechan- like eight. No, Lily's eight. Lily's eight. Programming. He wants to study computer programming and robotics. Like his dad. Right. And then the one who's Elisa's age wants to study cake making. So the mom's like, you know that you're going to have to study math because you're going to have to do fractions and measurements and you're going to have to learn chemistry why why do you put baking soda in a cake and what if you Mm. use baking powder instead of baking soda and what are different frosting types and what are the techniques you're going to use and so um anyway i that's not my style of homeschooling currently but even i feel like our kids would like choose video games and reading all day like just they aren't that interested in the 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 thing about the thing about unschooling though is you in in that particular model is that you give them the chance to explore things Mm -hmm. that they are what triggered me talking about this is you said that that kids in our modern education system get exposed to so many things and that's cool the the challenge is they get exposed to so many things and they never get to pursue the ones they, they never really get to wanna, pursue the ones they yeah, love and yeah, dive deep in them yeah. and an unschooling model and I I could do more of this if I wanted to but an unschooling model lets them dive really deep. What about and, like a hybrid? Uh, you know, like the yeah. first two or three days you're doing traditional schooling and then well you know, days four and five. The curriculum that I use doesn't really allow well, for that. Fair, but. We we do have enough enough flexibility that for art you you figure out what you want to be passionate about and what you want to be good at in art and you work on that sort of thing. But I the curriculum we use is a little bit more of the classical model and Charlotte Mason mixed together and what they believe is that before you can set kids loose on deep passions about things, sort of, let me switch, let me go to a metaphor first. 
if you were to take a kid a kid to a gourmet buffet and you haven't trained the kid's palate mm-hmm. or take take faith take faith to a gourmet restaurant what's she going to order mac and cheese this is <laughs> so predictable you take her where were we the other day taco johns taco johns she asked that's, for macaroni and cheese that's not a gourmet restaurant by any means but all faith wanted was mac and cheese and my parents take my kid take our kids rotating out to a nice dinner they took the other kids to a really nice restaurant they took faith to one and she, what do you want to order mac and cheese right uh so so you take a three-year-old to a gourmet restaurant and she's going to order mac and cheese take a kid that you've been working a six and eight, a 10 year old like our other kids take them to a gourmet restaurant and you've been working on introducing them to things how many times have we introduced our kids to sushi no, oh, multiple. But several times a year, they have the opportunity, and they'll they'll try it. We make them taste it, and they're like, "Don't like the texture, don't like the flavor." And then all of a sudden, for Lily, it clicked, and she wanted sushi for her birthday dinner last year. Mm-hmm. And when you and I have sushi for our birthday dinners, she can't wait. And now she's developing. This is the type of sushi that I like better than this type of sushi. And hmm, maybe I can try this type of sushi now. But it's taken years of introducing her to a broad palette of different flavors, helping her Mm -hmm. appreciate uh, Asian food flavors in general and helping her appreciate fish in general and giving her the braveness, bravery to try new foods, knowing that, well, there's a possibility to be weird and I don't like it. And I haven't lost anything if I try one bite of something that I don't care for. Yeah. But if I don't try it, I may have lost out on a really, really cool new world of flavors and textures that I think are amazing. And the same thing, the classical model and the Charlotte Mason is more at the foundational level of we're introducing our kid to the Asian flavors and to the textures and helping them understand the delight of trying new things and that the world is a much richer and more exciting place when you don't just order mac and cheese. And so educationally, uh, I've been actually really delighted at what excites our kids. I think I talked about this last year, but we read a children's Homer and I read the Iliad and the Odyssey in college because I was a classics major and they just reading them, trying to read them in iambic pentameter. I thought you were were a finance major. I double majored classics and finance. The classics was Latin and Greek. We've been married 12 years, guys. And I didn't know, almost 13, and I didn't know she majored in... In classical studies? All I ever knew was finance, because you had that horror story of working for a bank in Detroit. Yep. (laughs) And I went back, I I did an internship between my junior and senior years working for a bank, and I, I, I like numbers a lot. I absolutely hated the corporate culture, and I started asking around, and everybody who had experience in corporate America told me, yep, that's pretty typical. Yep, yep, and I was horrified. This just wasn't a culture I that I could thrive in at yeah, all. I don't do well. And so I I went back to college that fall and I was uh, what, two or three classes away from finishing my finance degree. And I was also maybe two classes away from finishing my classics, classical studies degree. And I decided that I would regret. So I could have graduated just finishing out the classical studies degree. And I decided I would regret not finishing something that I was so close to. So, and I liked the numbers and the theory. I just then didn't intend to ever do anything with it. Anyway, all that to say the kids absolutely loved this condensed. I can find the link for you of the exact book that we read of, it was a children's Homer is what it's called. And it was a condensed Version, but it it tells I all actually, the important I, stories I, I, in I, the we, Iliad. We've shared the link before, and it might actually be up on our to children's Homer on our on our recommended things page on our website. So anyway, that I I couldn't believe. I guess it's a combination of the Iliad and the Odyssey. I couldn't believe how much our kids loved it because I 
even as a classics major, did not delight in the nuances and the action. And maybe it was because it was an abridged one, and so the action moved really, really fast, Mm -hmm. and we lost a lot of the dialogue that bogs you down when you're having to analyze it and stuff. And maybe that's the difference, is I was reading it for school, and as far as the kids were concerned, it was a really cool story that we were reading for delight. And we would finish our assigned reading for the day, and they would beg to keep going on the it. Children's, the children's homer, you guys, if you go to our website, toobusytoflush.com. This one? And, yep, and click uh, Swag Shack. Scroll down, and you'll see a, a list of our recommended things. Um, I just noticed that it doesn't auto... The page section doesn't auto-conform to um, uh, a, a device. So I need to fix that at some point. But in the first row next to the Wing Feather Saga is the Children's Homer. And you can order it directly through there. And it, it's a referral link on Amazon. So as much as... You know, it's kind of one of those evils. Like, as much as you want to get away from all the things you don't want to support, you can't. Like, it's almost impossible to live. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Because everybody supports something really yeah. gnar. Yeah, that's true. Although, there's a book, there's a couple of books I've been wanting to order... And I probably will next month when our budget resets. Uh, and they're all in my cart at WTSbooks.com, which is nice. Westminster's bookstore. So I, I'm less, less concerned about nefarious things being done through my alma mater's bookstore. And they have a really nice, deep cache of fairly trustworthy books on there. And we have a friend who works there. At Westminster Books, we so can't get things for free. No, we don't get it. We don't even get a discount. It just, I trust her judgment, and when she yes. recommends, every now and then on her Instagram page, she'll post a picture of somebody holding a book as an ad or something, and she's like, "That's my hand," or "That's my husband's hand." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, anyway, um, where was I going with that? Unschooling. You were talking about know. what the kids... You've been thrilled with what the kids... I think you yeah, closed so your we, thought. You, so you were, you were talking about what you, you're thrilled with what the kids we're, are I'm still... We're in introducing them to things stage. Our kids don't have... You know, every now and then you'll hear of a homeschool kid who's just amazing at robotics or who knows everything there is to know about grasshoppers or praying went mantises. To Harvard, went to Harvard at age four. Yeah. we We don't have kids who have an encyclopedic knowledge of anything really but we do have kids who have tasted the delight of learning and understanding the world around them and I'm good with that you know when we are outside and we see something interesting between their Audubon classes and just being outside in the world we when we're walking at the cabin we stop and try to figure out if that's bear poop next to the raspberry patch mm. and if that's coyote poop in the middle of the road <laughs> and I guess there's a theme here but we we're interested in the bugs and we find the world around us to be a delightful place to learn about which I think is a great foundation philosophical foundation for education and also honors the creator god who put us in the world to explore and understand it. Yes. So anyway, that's that all started with sourdough bagels and give us Lord our daily bread. Um so I watched another probably about an hour of the American Gospel Christ Crucified documentary last night with my two friends that were working our way through it and if you remember last week we were together for almost three hours and we only made it 23 minutes into the documentary (laughs) this time it was we were together for a little over two hours and we watched an hour of documentary so go us good for us we kept remarking at these people who have deconstructed their faith on who are interviewed on the on the documentary or who there were there were a number of people where there's a little caption at the bottom that says this person declined to be interviewed for the documentary and they would show footage of them from Hmm. uh, public domain things 
Uh, Rob Bell is one. Richard Rohr is one who is a name I wasn't familiar with, but apparently he's kind of the godfather of deconstructionists. And his publisher has done, he's, he's probably in his 60s or 70s, and his publisher has done polls of the demographic of his biggest fans, and it's all millennials. His biggest oh, fans are Oprah and millennials. And, but he, he set this trajectory for people like Jen Hatmaker, who interviews him and who calls him a hero. And a lot of people consider him a father of their faith. She says in her little blurb in her podcast interview with him. And, uh, there's this podcast with two young millennial looking guys who called the deconstructionists and we don't need to link them if people really want to have their heads have steam coming out of their ears. Because if you're listening to us, you probably don't agree with these guys. Because we, <laughs> for better or for worse, worse uh, feel fairly certain about a lot of things. And these guys, like many deconstructionists, the only thing they're certain about is their delight in their uncertainty. And um, there's another theologian named Tony Jones that they interview on there. And he, 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 he describes the, ca- the attributes of God. And he, it, there was this moment where they're, they, they've animated what he's saying. And he says, I would never use a phrase like God cannot because I wouldn't ever put God in a box like that. I would never say God can't do anything. God can do whatever he wants. But the problem is where he's saying God cannot is God cannot be unjust. God cannot lie. And he says God can do whatever he wants. God can be unjust. God can contradict his 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 wow. word. God God doesn't God can lie. God doesn't have a consistent character. That that he, um, logically that doesn't flow. Like it no. just doesn't. Well, doesn't well, but if you listen to it, so two things. One is he. They're talking about how how justice and mercy, God's love, come together, and all of the biblical preachers and theologians interviewed say these aren't at odds with each other. God's justice and His love meet perfectly and are. Uh, I can't remember who the theologian who, oh, it's Kevin DeYoung actually is the one who, who talks about the old theologians would talk about the simplicity of God, which is not that God is a simpleton. It's that God's attributes all perfectly cohere in his character. So it's not that you, you have a pie chart of who God is and this slice of who God is, is his justice. And this slice of who he is, is his mercy. And this slice of who he is, is his holiness. The entire pie chart, if it were a Venn diagram, you would have all of these overlapping circles that God is perfectly just. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly loving. And because these are, they all fit together perfectly as part of his one character. He's not... A schizophrenic, where sometimes he's just and sometimes he's merciful. And also, everything God does then flows out of who he is. Everything God commands of us flows out of his character. So the Ten Commandments are not some arbitrary law out above and separate from God that God then is bound by because they are over and above him. And that's how this this theologian Tony Jones says, it's weird that we have this arbitrary standard of justice, which he's talking about the atonement. So this arbitrary standard of justice that somebody has to die for sin. And he kind of says it with a sneer on his face, this arbitrary standard. Why does somebody have to die for sin? God being God could just choose to forgive our sin. And and it's, it's not an arbitrary standard of justice outside of God. Justice is in, integrally part of God's character. And one of the comments that I loved in as a corrective to this 
progressive deconstructionist. I wouldn't want to worship a God who was willing to kill his own son for some stranger, uh, which they actually say things like that. Uh, is They say, what if a judge took a criminal and said, in mercy and in love, I am going to dismiss your your case. And that may be merciful to the criminal, but it's not merciful and loving to the criminal's victims. Love for victims demands justice. And so and and so we then pause the video and we're talking about the current situation in Afghanistan right now and the thousands of upon thousands of people who in their communications out of the country, especially Christian pastors, say very explicitly, I expect to meet Jesus face to face in the next couple of weeks. They they know with certainty. They're getting letters from the Taliban. I'm sure most of our leaders, our, our listeners, are up with the news because they care about things like this. But they, these, if you, if, if you are a known Christian in Afghanistan right now, you are living with a fair amount of certainty that you will see Jesus face to face sooner rather than later. And we as comfortable American Christians are a bit uh, horror-struck, baffled at their faith, in awe of their faith, but also as people who are more accustomed than not to the rule of law and, and ex- expecting justice to prevail, we look at a situation like that where there is no justice so to speak. These people will be slaughtered with impunity. And the there's there's no uh, unless you believe and we ended our last again off of my conversation about American gospel last week, we ended our last episode talking about how asking the question, is it possible that people who live with anger in their hearts in our culture right now do so because they believe that if justice doesn't happen on this earth, there is no justice in the world. And how incredibly exasperating. I mean, I live with four kids. I see the everyday anger of someone who believes that the world is not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Multiply that to an adult level with adult level concerns and in order to make peace with with the slaughter, the impending slaughter of Christians in Afghanistan, I feel like you have to believe in the biblical doctrine of hell and in the biblical doctrine that God loves his own people and he will do justice to and by them and for them. And it's very sobering to think what that looks like biblically, but it's also comforting to think that the the guilty will not go unpunished, as as God tells Moses in Exodus thirty four. Yeah, it's interesting to think about what a perfect system of forgiveness and justice would look like in our current climate. How do you provide justice for the victim and still like forgive? the like in our human system i don't think we can do that um and still forgive the the criminal or let the criminal off or whatever well i mean there's i think because the american law system does have i'm not making the claim that america was a a christian nation at its founding but a lot of our laws are based on biblical principles and consistent with biblical principles and case law has been established by people with a biblical worldview going back hundreds of years. And so things like the punishment matching the crime and how long are you going to serve for X or what does restitution look like and what what does why is the penalty for a reoffender worse? 
because they've proven that they're not going to be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. And so I think our system for sure in a, in an ideal world seeks to provide justice and then even presumed innocent until guilty uh trial by a jury of your peers, all of these things, if you think about all of the moving parts that go into our criminal justice system, when it's working well, are are actually tremendously biblical in terms of uh, the weight of the punishment matching the crime and uh, needing witnesses to prove it and things like that. But and and it's astounding to think that with all of the miscarriage of justice happening in the United States right now, which you don't have to be a Black Lives Matter, you know, dyed in the wool, uh, aficionado to believe that there is a lot of miscarriage of justice in the American Well, and that's system. where a lot of people don't recognize either that critical race theories and critical theories are targeting our justice system almost 100%. And they're not they're not seeking actual justice. What's the name of the guy, the bank robber who w- went to the Supreme Court? Uh lawman Sean Hopwood. Yes. So if you guys haven't read or heard of the book Lawman Sean Hopwood, he, I can't remember the exact story now. Was he like a high school football star? He's a high school football star, star, and then ended up robbing some banks. He failed out of the military, yeah. super lazy, entitled, uh, robbed a couple of local banks, got caught, spent time in prison, and while he was there, started writing Supreme Court briefs on behalf of his other fellow prisoners who were making appeals, right? Mm-hmm. To the and Supreme Court for the it was it. It's been so long. And he got, so he got, uh, was it the first time in history that they accepted an, a brief yes, from but they someone didn't not do legally it, trained? Yes, but they didn't do it just once. They did it like two or three times. They accepted two or three of his. So when he got out, he actually became uh, a lawyer, um, and married his, ended up marrying his high school sweetheart. And in some sense, it's a happily ever after story. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful, st- wonderful it's story. A, it's a very um, compelling, fast read book. His name is his name is Sean Hopwood. You can follow it's like him. Like S H O N. S H O N. You can follow him on Instagram. He's pretty prolific on Instagram. Um, I don't have Facebook. But so but what's interesting is he experienced a lot of a. Did he become a Christian or was mm-hmm. he disciple? He was already he was a Christian. Prison? I think he was like a pastor's kid. But he wasn't obviously wasn't yeah. living it. Right. But became serious about his faith and saw a ton of injustice. For example, the amount of labor that prisoners do and they're paid pennies on the dollar for the value of their labor. And so they're basically indentured servants who have no means of income. And so when they're when they're released back into society, they they have zero money, even though they've been doing valuable work the government mm-hmm. is basically using it as slave labor yeah uh and so what one of his areas of passion is seeking justice in terms of just because you've you're behind bars doesn't mean that if you're doing valuable work you shouldn't be paid for the work that you're doing which again is a biblical principle the laborer should be paid his wages mm-hmm. and so he he now does a lot of work seeking justice for people in the prison system. So he's just, he's one example of many, many, many ways that we could point to a miscarriage of justice, even within a system that in an ideal world works better than systems anywhere else in the world. When I started working for peacemakers and I worked with lawyers from around the world, a phrase I had never heard before was rule of law. And the these lawyers from South America, from Eastern Europe, uh, that's primarily where the lawyers were from, and oh, Africa. Uh, there were several lawyers from Africa. They they could only dream of a system of government where a client could assume a fair trial or could expect that the police were on their side. Or could expect that any any semblance of what we assume, at least 
we in in white privileged middle class America assume will be although you know now that I think about it that is quickly fading it'd be interesting to think more about this because I look at American elites and I never assume that they're going to pay for the crimes that they commit (laughs) sure you know what's his name Cuomo resigned is he going to be prosecuted for sexually harassing or whatever else, you know, however far he's gone with these women. No, he's going to fade away and then he's going to come back as a CNN commentator or something. He's going to be fine. And I, I mean, I could list manifold, manifold examples of American elites who what's the what are the people the actor actresses who bribed their kids' oh, college the kids calls, yeah, entrance. They, one of them was like the Full House actress, I think. And I her name. anyway, you know they they either plea bargained and paid a fine, at which when you have that much money, doesn't hurt. Or I think the one that didn't plea bargain had to spend fourteen days in jail or something. Uh, just uh, you know, and in your average American is gonna just for something like that would would pay a fuller penalty. So, unfortunately, I think that we're coming to be closer to the rest of the world in terms of uh, not experiencing rule of law. And maybe that's always been the case just because of media and yeah. things like that. I'm My eyes are more open to it right now. But again, we we have a sovereign and just God, I, and know, so I'm not gonna spend my life fretting. Kids are home. <laughs> they come falling down the stairs. Literally falling down the stairs. You know, I, there's um, when you talk about the tone of some of these folks, and we're almost out of time, so we'll close wrap the show here shortly. But when you talk about the tone of some of these folks who really focus heavily on the doubt side of Christianity. Um, you know, the righteousness is found in how how deeply they doubt or how well they doubt. But there's always a sense of, to me, I always hear this tone of, I finally figured God out and this is the right answer. And there's no humility there. You know, it's like, well, I've got to figure it out. So this is obviously it. You're all wrong. I've got to figure it out. It, interestingly, the lack of humility also comes in... Well, I wouldn't possibly figure God out. I can't, you know. It's a self-righteous lack of humility. Yeah. So, so you're the, finding your righteousness in your humility as well. You can, you can have, you can have a lack of humility in your in your certitude about your beliefs. You can also have a lack of humility in your incertitude because mm. you're refusing to submit yourself to the inspired and inerrant Word of God. And actually submit your mind to what God has revealed to us. And essentially doing the Benjamin Franklin, well, I'm going to pick and choose the parts of the Bible that I like. And if this doesn't, if I can't make this fit in my mind, then I'm going to set it aside and not submit myself to something I don't understand, which is who God is ultimately. We can't understand him and yeah. we can't contain him. And um just one more note on that. Carl Truman published a piece in First Things that for sure was not a humble piece. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you read the tone, but Carl Truman doesn't often come across as humble. Uh he was talking about Josh Harris and how if you if you go back and look at the I Kiss Dating Goodbye, really what he was selling was himself. Was was he he's the example. He's like I is in the title of his book. And it 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 became this rampant purity culture in American society and had a lot of negative effects and so on and so forth. But Carl Truman believes, looking back on that whole phenomenon, that at the center of 
the I kiss dating goodbye phenomenon was not Jesus. It was Joshua Harris. Yeah. And if you look at his whole deconstruction shtick today, he actually, he's offering a course on how to deconstruct and how to process your deconstruction. And it's $275 because he believes that a content maker is worthy of or of being paid for his content. So that's how he's if you if you read if you read his Instagram post, this is what it says. I read the Instagram post. But if you have been harmed by his work, he'll he's offering you the course for free. And here's the discount code to put in when you register if you've been harmed by his work. And and, you harmed me once. I'm going to let you harm me again. This is going to go well, really that, so, well. So Truman, Truman points out, <laughs> it's all about him still. It's, I, was, I caused your problem in the 90s, and I am the solution to your problem here in 2021. And it's, it's just wow. two, it's two sides of the same coin, and he's selling himself as the solution both times. And he probably would not agree with that assessment. He would say, no, I was sold out for Jesus. I was offering people Jesus during the years as a believer. But Still offering people Jesus it would be, by deconstructing Jesus. Yeah, he's not offering them Jesus. He's offering them hope and authenticity, in his words. Okay. So we have kids staring us down, you guys. They just got home from going to the library with Grandma. Only and, one kid is staring us down. Huh? No, there's another one out there. Hanging off the door. Yeah. And they're cute little... Do you want to say hi to everybody on the podcast? Yeah. You guys haven't had lunch yet? Yeah, we haven't. Oh, huh. okay. Wow, it's one Should we go have some mac and cheese? Okay, guys. fight over? Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We'll include some of the links to the things we mentioned in the show notes, and you can find previous links and previous show notes to some of the things we've referenced Bye. as well. Bye. Hey, I'm trying to close the show. You can follow us on Instagram at Too Busy to Flush. You can visit our website at TooBusyToFlush.com. I want some goaties and some crackers. Oh, goat cheese crackers. TB the number two F dot com. You can flush. You can send us a message. We love hearing from you guys. Interact with us with the show. I've had a lot of conversations with Devin, for instance, over text about uh, critical race theory. And that's um, been a, a fun and engaging conversation. I've appreciated that. You can text us at 406-318-7136. You can also send us a message uh, on our website via a postcard. Or you can email us at tb2f at pm.me. tb2f at papamike.me. So that said, don't put your foot on the microphone. You already knocked it over once yesterday. All right, thanks. <laughs> trying to do a podcast with kids. This is why Grandma takes them to the library. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>